chillin' and a you will hear about the eliminating of the negative and a accent on a positive. And gather round me, chillin', if you're willing, and sit tight while I start reviewing the attitude of doing right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird and Friends. Hello, Frugalistas, and welcome. Today I have a very special guest, and that is Liz Walton. Welcome, Liz. Oh, thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much, Serena. Well, it's my honour. Liz is a fertility coach and she works to help people who are struggling to get pregnant, Mm -hmm. stay pregnant, or that it's that time where they've decided to let go. Mm -hmm. She became a fertility coach after she herself became pregnant at the young age of 46 to daughter Willow. Absolutely. In her business, she's fortunate to have had a 100% success rate. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But of course, it's not all about success necessarily with the women and the couples that she works with. I met Liz in January at Business at Breakfast, which is a Canberra-based networking group. And she was the coordinator of that. She still is the coordinator of that, and she does an amazing job. She's also coordinated of a Queanbeyan-based women's networking group. She's incredibly generous in her support of other entrepreneurs, especially women. And her story appears in the Amazon number one best-selling book, Mumpreneurs on Fire, Australian Edition. It is a delight to welcome you, Liz, onto this podcast. Oh my goodness, you make me sound so fabulous. It's great hearing it from you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. That's a, a wonderful welcome. Thank you. Let's start at the beginning. Obviously, your accent isn't an Australian accent. (laughs) What was your upbringing like? And what were the money values that you inherited? I um, had a very, uh, I I would say, a fun and exciting upbringing. My parents, I, I grew up overseas, basically, in third world countries, Africa, South America, and the Middle East. So I had a very, very interesting upbringing. And my father was a veterinary surgeon. So I had a very English sort of expat growing up life, which I had lots of fun with. We had lots of animals from all over the world. It was, yeah, it was lots of fun. And time in Taiwan too, when you were young as well. Yes, I was a baby in Taiwan. That's, yes, absolutely. So I remember what you were saying about you having, being in Taiwan yourself. So I have lots of pictures of me as a, as a baby in Taiwan as well. So yes, beautiful, beautiful. And lots of marble still that I have inherited from my mum from <laughs> Taiwan as well. So yes, I I have a real passion for travel indeed. And I think, you know, you were just sort of saying about what were the money things, because my parents were both English, I think it's sort of that sort of stayed English, money doesn't grow on trees, darling, and it's it's difficult to come by. And I think my mum was always quite shy of money. And I Mm -hmm. do know that uh, when my dear old dad did pass away, my mum had no idea no idea. And luckily, I've, my oldest brother looked after everything. But it's for me, I don't want to fall into those same steps. I want to be able to have that more knowledge and understanding. And I realize now as I've grown up, hopefully at some point I'll grow up, but it's really important instead of just assuming that your partner will do it is to have the knowledge yourself. And I know that that's something I, I, I lack and want to learn. Mm. 
It's an interesting balance because usually in any relationship, one partner will be better at managing money than the others. Mm. Just part of a partnership. Mm. Like in my marriage, my Neil is much better at the technical aspects of anything. I don't really touch anything technical when it comes to computers. That's kind of his job. Mm. And I tend to be the one who pays the bills and talks about our investments and manages the money. He's still got oversight of it. He knows where all the information is if he needs it and I share the information with him. But Mm. it's me who makes the decisions. Mm. It's normal in any relationship that one person is stronger than that. Mm. But the problem is that both of them need to know what's happening, don't they? Yeah, I think it's so important. I know for me, I want to be able to have just, just more understanding of how it works, where it goes. And because I've had a child later on in life and I I suppose before it was always like I work hard, I earn the money and then I've kind of spent it. (laughs) As now having a daughter and having to be more, this is going to sound funny, more wifey and more everything to do with a home and and all of that I've got to have control of. You know, my husband earns the money and so it's I'm now like, oh, okay, let's look at what that is. How do we invest? How do we save? How do you do all of that so we create a future? But how does that look like now? None of that I've really known. So I'm really learning all of that now. I'm I'm a late starter. <laughs> it does change things when you do have children because it's, it's not just massively. yourself anymore, is mm, it? It's mm. you've got other people you need to provide for mm. and not just for a short period of time. It's an ongoing commitment. It's for life and beyond, isn't it? And it's it's creating that for for beyond your time, isn't it? For you know, for your children. Yeah, exactly. And you want to provide the best for them. But you also want them to learn about money skills too. Absolutely, and I want—I would really like my daughter to have be far more money savvy than I have. I have been, and the best way is for me to learn it now. I want her to have a far more better understanding of money and how to how to have it and let it stick and and spend it, but also just create the choices that she would want. Mm, and it's great having you on the six weeks to abundance course at the moment. You, it's really lovely to have you there and to have your input. Oh, thank you so much. Monday nights tends to be where I work. So I'm really looking forward to the fact that I've got my little one on half, half term. Half term's not, is an English one. I'm on school holidays now. <laughs> so I can now join in because obviously I won't work so late. So I can now join in actually. So it's been great listening and catching up on the courses and just all the information that you share that I think is so, I suppose for a woman, so important. I know you talked about it as a woman, we, we just don't always know all the ins and outs just about knowing about the electricity. I loved when you said about ring up, ask for a better deal. Mm. I was like, oh my goodness, I never even thought of that. (laughs) So just all of those things. And in England, we naturally have everything is double glazed, Mm -hmm. but it's not so much here. No, it's very rare. For here, because you've got, especially in Canberra, the extremities of cold or hot just knowing about having good insulation. We've got an older house with thin windows. And so just knowing, because I was like, I'd never heard about bubble wrap for windows. <laughs> My husband was like, oh, yes, it's a good Australian thing. I'm like, I did not know that. It works. It's, it works. We've done it. It's brilliant. And so just all of those, I suppose, different thoughts. And I, I also loved about challenge yourself to do $25 shopping. I've been looking at that and just, just becoming more aware, I suppose, of stuff that I hadn't thought of before. So I've been really enjoying listening to your book because I got it on the audio. And then for me with that, it was, you know, wanting to know more and learn more. So then coming and 
and joining you on your course, basically. And then with that, we get to interact with everybody else and their learnings and what they find, which I think is it's, it's just brilliant. I love it. I'm learning a lot too. I learned a lot this week, particularly. <laughs> it's been a good process. Brilliant. So in your book, in the chapter that you have in the Mompreneurs on Fire Australian edition, you talk a lot about your journey to become a healer. Let's delve into that a little bit. Indeed. You had this childhood traveling around a bit and then back in the UK and then off overseas again. Yeah, absolutely. So my father semi-retired when I was 15. So I went from living a very, I suppose, fun international school lifestyle to my father put me into my parents trying to do the best they could. I went to an all girls boarding school, so which was quite tough because my schooling was so varied. uh, I, I found that one quite difficult. As soon as I could after school and then knowing, I don't know what I can do, (laughs) the passion to go traveling again was, I suppose, built in me. I was very, very thirsty for that. So it was lovely to go. So when I was 30, actually, because I'd found new opportunities in holistic therapies at the age of 25 and massage. And then for me, it was just like, oh, my goodness, something I've fallen in love with, the, the possibility of, of, of therapies, of healing, of massage, something I was good at. Once I'd got something that I could then travel with, I was like, right, let's go. So off to Africa I went and I ended up going to a friend's of a friend's of a friend's lodge. So it was in, <laughs> in Malawi on the shores of Lake Malawi, which was stunning. And I uh, went there because I did massage so I could stay cheaper because I was working on because it was all coming up to the millennium at the time. Within a month, ended up running the lodge literally had the time of my life those were the wow. days my friend it was it was brilliant so I had about 50 staff and it was a great learning time it was lots of fun I literally had a, a beach at the bottom of my stairs and it was it was amazing lots 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 of fun lots of learning there was tea you know a bit of, a bit of everything but it was a, a it was a beautiful brilliant time and of course there I met an Australian mm, from <laughs> Africa to Canberra <laughs> then yes I was there for about four, four or five years, and my uh, then boyfriend, who's now my husband, was like, "Right, we need to grow up because so nine eleven had happened. Tourism was changing. It was mm-hmm. all it was all about, you know, don't go overseas. So it it wasn't as easy, you know. So he was like, "Well, I've got, we've got to go back. I'd like, you know, do you want to fancy coming to Australia? <gasps> it's like, yeah, I've never been to Australia before. So yes, off we toddled, and I got introduced to Australia. Funnily enough, his mum at the time, well, she's still his mum, but at that time, she was living in Cooma. She had bought a beautiful, what do you call it here, property, mm-hmm. a beautiful old 1920s style home. And so she was renovating all of that. So I went from Africa where I was somebody to Cooma where there was nobody. <laughs> and it was, was quite a learning curve. But again, it was it was beautiful, but it was a learning curve. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of understand that because when I've lived in China and Taiwan a few times and from being that Laowai that everyone notices, that foreigner that everyone notices, to coming back. I remember coming back to Brisbane and being on a bus going to uni and thinking, no one's looking at me. Mm. No one's looking at me. Like everyone's quiet. No one's looking at me. No one's talking to me. Yeah. It's quite yeah. strange. It is, especially in, in Africa. You are special because you're different. You're not one of them. You, you're a different person. So, yes, it, it is different to just, you know, you go from being a, a buana to being just another person. 
Mm. (laughs) Absolutely. But it's a beautiful story you share, and I won't give away all the details, about your own path to healing Mm. and your passion for healing other people and what's led to you having a child at age 46 when you didn't think that was necessarily possible. It's an interesting journey, isn't it? So I had lots of stuff happening in my past. And look, I had a beautiful upbringing still, even with all, you know, stuff happens, doesn't it? So by the time myself and Greg got married, I was, I suppose, 35, 36. And so already I was, you know, in adverted commas, old. Mm, those labels. <laughs> when it comes to parent, you know, wanting to be a parent. And you just assume it would happen because that's always what we're told and bred and sort of, and it, you know, sort of after a year and a half and it not happening, then you're looking deeper and I suppose then you get the referrals and then it's like doing all the different tests. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And then still not finding anything wrong. And then I suppose the, the interesting thing of it is then the emotional and the mental stuff that starts to go on as we turn inwards to what's wrong with me? Why can't mm. I do what's right? For me, yeah, over those 10 years, so I, I ended up having six IVFs not straight after another, maybe one or two was, and then it was a break. Just trying everything in your power, in my power, should I say, to find the key. And you go on an interesting journey. So for me, I started after a while. The reason why I was told we had to do IVF is, although they couldn't find anything wrong, physically wrong with me, my husband's sperm had anti-sperm antibodies. So that meant lots of sperm, all moving, but going nowhere near the egg. So hence, you have to have IVFs, where basically it means that they get the egg, they get a good sperm, and they put the sperm in the egg. So they do it all for you, so to speak, and then it's about putting the egg back into the body. Really quite a full-on situation where you've got to do lots of different, there's lots of different ways. Sometimes you can be doing a nose spray, but at at some point you will be still injecting your tummy. Yes, I I remember some of these (laughs) things myself. I didn't go through a full IVF cycle, but I certainly had enough different fertility things. Yeah, and then the egg collection. And then, of course, so all of these things are creating more hormonal injections, more emotions. And it's just such a huge process. And although it doesn't seem like much the first time, I think then again, it's there is such a mental and emotional breakdown that can start to happen because we attack ourselves. So that's what I did. And that's what I'm finding with a lot of people. We just start going, what is wrong with me? Mm. And also, I think we go to the doctor and we go, well, I don't know what's wrong with my body here, doctor. You take my body and you have it. And we then disconnect from who we are. And we just assume we don't know. And it ends up becoming this, okay, let's do the next IVF, the next IVF, the next IVF, and it can have such a huge mental effect on us. And I think when you do the full egg collection, gosh, it's, you know, it it hurts in the body as well. And it's a huge process for the body physically, spiritually, emotionally. And um, I think it, it can take quite a toll on an individual. And I look, I don't think my story is necessarily unique. It's just the story that I have. And I know people go through far more IVFs than I have. It can be a really tough process. And then, of course, you know, if, again, we, we look at the monetary value. Yes. Roughly here. So in the UK, it's about 5,000. Here, it's roughly 10,000. But then that doesn't include all the other little bits because we've all got 
we're all individuals, so we might need different injections or the different the different nose nose um, sprays, or we might need to do different therapies. I think I had acupuncture. Yeah, there might be. Yeah, and that's not even to do with the clinical stuff. Those are that would be all separate. And counselling because of all the counselling injections. Downs. Yeah. Then with even going to see the fertility doctor, there might be extra things that we might need, either with a gynecologist or with extra little bits and bobs that you might need from the fertility area with different tests. So there's all sorts of extra that uh, extra payments that might be needed. It was interesting when I spent about 60 grand. Did I have that? No, but it's like you always try, okay, we'll go do this one thing. Oh, okay, well, we need to pay for that extra bit, that extra bit. Oh, then I need to go and help myself with acupuncture or you know, maybe I might go see that therapist. Maybe I do that. Okay, I'll go do that workshop. Maybe that will be the key. And so you just keep, it's kind of like pulling on all these different things, don't you? Oh, okay, well, I haven't tried that mm. for another while. Okay, we'll do another IVF cycle. Okay, so what does that mean? And so then you just keep going and money just keeps going and going and going and going. And then you start working hard for that. And then, then there's the emotional, I suppose, upheaval of all of that as well. And then if it doesn't work, then... Whew. And I know for me, I ended up having quite a bad habit of spending, so it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. My dear husband didn't necessarily know what to do, so I'd be in tears. But he would have to go back to work, and so I got into a habit of spending. You'd go out for some retail therapy? Absolutely. It's easy to make fun of that or belittle it, but you do what you can when you're feeling low. I go on op shop splurge trips when I'm feeling low. Yeah, so that's what I, I ended up doing at that time. I know when we, so in 2010, I went back to the UK because my mum was becoming quite elderly then and my eldest brother was like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen with mum. If you want to come back, it'd be good too. So we uprooted, went back. And that's when I realised, oh my gosh, I've got to bring a debt with me. (laughs) So it was a bit like, oh my goodness. And so that's what I did. I brought a debt with me. Started working really, really, really hard to try and pay the debt. Interestingly enough, we went back to the UK. I'd done the six IVFs. I I did an IVF not long, my last IVF not long before I left, which didn't work. And I remember being absolutely desolated, you know. I can imagine your mum's really unwell. You've decided not to do any more cycles for the time being, going back to the UK, got all this debt. It must have been a very difficult time. It was a difficult time. It was lovely to be home, but it was a difficult time. And then we went, after settling down a bit, went to the UK sort of fertility clinics. So there, because I was over 40, everything had to be self-funded. We just finished renovating our house here in Australia. We had like less than no money. (laughs) It was the universe kind of going, okay, not a muss. There is no more. That was the start of realizing, oh, I gotta give up. Gosh, you know, just hands are up against the wall, you know, there's nowhere else to go. And then my sister-in-law, whilst I was in the UK and she was here, she fell pregnant first time IVF with a donor Mm. sperm. So that put the nail on the coffin, or was that the best thing that ever happened to me? It was also, which absolutely devastated me, was also the devastation was I suppose that mirror isn't it she's only managed to do what I haven't managed to do for years so it's pain as well as knowing I needed to be happy for her but it was also the guiding light it's the guiding light really which was come on Liz this isn't who you are it's time to let go so I really blessed that time really 
And I remember going, okay, this is the line. And I remember a girlfriend of mine saying, right, just break into a million pieces. Just allow it all to shatter all of your reality. Everything break. And that was the best thing she could have done. And so I just fell apart. Had a good week, I would say, of crying, of just literally letting everything go. And then it was like, okay, so who am I now? And you know that analogy of, oh, you sort of break free from that skin. It's like taking a zipper or the, the, the idea mm-hmm. of stepping outside, you know, that, that parting of the veil. They yeah, talk in that, spiritual circles yeah, about sometimes. That part of me that believed about oh, you have to get married and have a kid, you know, all of those beliefs and thoughts weren't solve, serving me anymore. So she had to go and I had to, you know, I, I had to break free to be able to be that person that would go, okay. So what is for life for me now? What does that look like? And going through a real soul search of, you know, who am I now if I can't be a woman? Who am I now if I can't be a mum? Who am I? What does that mean for me? So yes, it was a very interesting, interesting time. And, and look, now I have to bless all of that because it gives me a great blueprint from not happening, the madness, the lunacy. <laughs> The breakdown, <laughs> the debt, the letting go, the the finding happiness in who I was. Through um, my language became, I'm so lucky I don't have to have kids. I am the child. I can spend money on myself. I can get up whenever I want. I can do whatever I want. And that was my language. Uh, what I realize now is when you let go, a very interesting chain of events we now allow to happen. Instead of that, trying to make it the way we want it to be and no, it has to be like this. No, I've got to keep trying. I've got to keep trying. I've got to keep trying. When we release, it's like then we allow the universe, God, whatever might be the right name for you, your life can then roll as it needs to and everything starts to come into place. And spoiler alert, we mentioned at the beginning, you do in fact have a daughter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, three years later. I mean, so it didn't happen straight away. It wasn't, yeah, I think my husband and I needed time to reconnect, to find out who we were. I think in a way to fall back in love again, because we were, I, I found that I was angry at him. You know, why, why couldn't you do every, I felt like I had done every, all the hard work, mm-hmm. you know, changed my life and time needed to happen, I suppose, to heal all those wounds. I think it was coming up to Christmas 2014. And of course I was partying lots and I was really ill. And I was just like, oh my goodness, menopause is quick these days, isn't it? You know, I was like, oh my God. What's menopause? Because I felt so terrible. And because I felt so terrible, I went to the doctors going, oh, you know, what, what, what do I do? What's this? Of course, they say, oh, you know, we'll just double check. And I didn't give it any buy or leave, just like, oh, yeah, right. And then her sort of giggling going, um, no, it's not menopause. <laughs> <laughs> Something else. <laughs> and I was just like, well, that's ridiculous. No, that can't, that can't be. That can't be. And and to be fair, I, I went and got quite a few tests myself because I, I could not compute. It, I could not compute. I was like in shock, just like this is ridiculous. That was impossible. So and I kept going, it's just, it's not, just can't happen. That's just, no, it can't, not now. After all that money, <laughs> after all that stress, after yeah, all that time. Not now. So that's what I find is, and I say to a lot of my clients is, I hold my fingers as if they're holding a pill, but it's air and I go, this is the magic pill, is happiness, connection. Let's start bring that because we lose that on the fertility journey. We mm-hmm. become a pincushion. We become stressed. 
We become everything but ourselves. Then we become a big world of pain. Yes, so I like to say, let's find some joy. Let's find some happiness. Let's see. That's a good place to start. Well, yes, and I I know that your philosophy is obviously something that's been very successful with your clients. And on speaking on joy, when you facilitate the networking groups that you do, you do bring so much joy. And I've been in groups that you have facilitated, including the amazing business at breakfast. And you just (laughs) have such genuine joy for everyone who's there. I mean, you must hear the same stories every single week, but every single week you find a way to be joyful and happy for everyone there. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Well, yes, I suppose our journeys bring us to where we are. And my journey to fertility allowed me to heal so many different aspects of myself and life is for living and for joy. I do love to have fun. I think it's really important. And I love to, you know, make sure everyone feels comfortable. And of course, when you giggle, it makes people feel good. And I I like to do that with all of my coaching is about let's bring happiness and let's bring joy because that's when we remember because we felt fun. And when we are feeling happy, that's when we activate the intellectual part of our mind. And when we are in that part, we can find the solutions to our problems. So when we are having fun, believe it or not, we can create so much change in our lives for good and happiness and fun can create that. So it's just it's just the best place to be. And that's really important too, because I know in my case, having left a secure job to pursue something that seemed a bit wacky to most of my former colleagues, I'm sure, it's really easy to have doubts. You know? oh. It's so easy to have doubts on that yeah. path. Am I doing the right thing? I'm not earning as much money. Maybe I should go back. Oh, we've hit a pandemic. You know, everyone's out of work. Maybe I should go back. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I, I don't really want to go back, but you, you know, you know mm. what I mean. And mm. what's really struck me about the networking that you facilitate, particularly the business at breakfast and some of the other mums focused groups, is just that everything seems possible when mm. you're around a group of like minded people. Absolutely. I've been really lucky in the UK when I went back to the UK. It was kind of like, oh my goodness, how how do I get people to know me? There's literally a hundred other therapists or coaches. They're all brilliant. And so that's when I had to learn about networking. It was good to be able to come back here. And um, I think I'd only been at business at breakfast for six months. And the lady that um, was hosting it had to leave. Misty was there going, we're looking for somebody. I'm like, um, I I can help out. And so I've been there ever since. And um, I think networking through that, that I have met all these amazing people, including yourself, when we're all on the same path and we all want the same thing, we can all bring ourselves up. And the energy is because we all want to support and help each other. And I just think that's so powerful. Yeah, it is. And actually, Neil and I were reflecting on this recently. Going into lockdown, it's been really interesting to observe for me which communities have has survived and flourished for me and which ones haven't been as relevant. And back in March, it wasn't what I thought. Mm. The communities that I thought were going to be really vibrant weren't as vibrant. Mm. But business at breakfast was something that now, like, you know, back in January, February, I think I was attending every couple of weeks. Mm. Now it's like I find myself wanting to go at least every week Mm. because it's a community. Like I feel like I'm part of a community. It's Mm. just so collaborative and so supportive. Mm. When we couldn't have the face-to-face meeting, I know we were like, okay, well, we'll see if it might be just like us four that run this, or maybe there'll be five of us, or we'll see. 
And it was quite interesting that we did not know what would happen. And then, well, we had like 30 people join up. And we were like, oh, that's handy. And it, they just keep turning up and keep turning up. And it's, so it's it's brilliant. So we were really excited because it's about how can we support everybody to grow, to great connections, because networking is just about connecting, connecting business-wise, personally, being interested in everybody else. And how can we support you? Because I might need a somebody to grow my business either through a website or maybe it's social media or maybe I might need to do a copyright. And so all of these people, you know, even though I want to sell what I do, I still might need all of these other people just to run my business. So it's so powerful. Mm. And everyone's so collaborative and supporting each other. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's a great community. We, we love it. And you just, we turn up and so do they, and it's just brilliant. <laughs> Wonderful. How can my listeners find you and find Business at Breakfast? To find me, look, it's a huge, huge subject, fertility. Any, you know, anybody that might be on that road, it can sometimes be a difficult one to know how to even say, you know, where do I, how can I support you or help you? So I have a lovely Facebook group called the Fertility Forum because it's not just about me. I you know, love to bring all sorts of different fertility specialists and it will be a space where they can get be support, lots of information, some hugs, and hopefully just a space where they can be themselves. So that's the Fertility Forum on Facebook. And that's a picture of usually of me and my daughter. I've got a website, which is my name. So lizwalton.org, O-R-G. And uh, my email is, again, my name, liz at lizwalton.org. I've got a Facebook business page, which is just Liz Walton Fertility Coach. So those are the different areas to find me. And then when it comes to the networking, so we've got Business at Breakfast, which is um, every Thursday morning. At the moment, it's 10 till 12. And when we go back to meeting face to face, it's a bit of an early one. So it's usually a quarter, quarter to seven till 8.30. And then it's usually over and finished by nine o'clock for everybody that needs to go to work. But it's every Thursday morning, basically at the moment online, 10 till 11.30. Got a Facebook group called Business of Breakfast Deacon 2020. Please do. I think a lot of that's just online on a Facebook group. But and our passion really is to connect, to grow, to support. No matter where you are in the world, really, we're getting people from all sorts of places in the world, yeah, which has been great. And you brought, you brought a lovely lady <laughs> as well that was international from Taiwan. Lovely. Thank you very much, Liz. Serena, thank you. It's been an honour. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. She actually likes everybody. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. And myself, I'm Joseph McGrail Baitup. You got an accentuate the positive eliminate the negative latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess.